Hello, Action Alerts Plus subscribers. It's October 17th today, and we're here to talk about lots of different things. I'm here with my partner, Chris Versace, who is at home today. We're going to talk about markets, economics, uh, earnings, uh, interest rates, the Fed. Um, there is just no shortage of topics to cover today. So, Chris, how was your weekend, and uh, um, what is my, on your mind here? My <laughs> my weekend was good, thank you. I'm chuckling because you you did the intro this week, and I I think as I as I watch your face, you you started to chalk, and you were like, yeah, what what do I have to say? This isn't as easy spitballing this from the. How does he do such a great job? Usually, I I, I can't figure it out. It's it's not easy reading your mind, Chris. But you know, I sometimes we're you know we're in sync. Uh, about 70% of the time. So it's the other I, I was going to joke, I, I joke, Bob, that other people say that they try to read my mind, but usually all they get is static. So mm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really <laughs> sure if you want to do that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, like you said, it's uh, October 17th. We're starting the week off. This is the week that earnings season really kicks into gear. We've got about 350 plus or minus a couple companies reporting up sharply from about 50 last week. Um, you know, last week we did hear from Taiwan Semiconductor. We heard from a number of banks. They did benefit from higher interest rates. But, you know, as, as we wrote in our comments out again on Monday, um, real concern about future loan growth. I, I totally understand that given the concerns about the speed of the economy. But also, too, as interest rates go higher, you know, this is kind of one, one of the tools the Fed uses to cool demand and slow growth because the borrowing costs just get you know, inordinately high, especially compared to what we've seen. Uh, as you know, and as members know, we've already seen this start to hit the housing market. The question will be you know, um, business borrowing and other types of borrowing. And, and my concern in all of this is the consumer. And I say that because with consumer credit leaving August per the data at 1.15, how, how, how do we do this, Bob? Trillion, trillion dollars. <laughs> you know that as as, as right, exactly. Dr. That Evil. as those as those borrowing costs go higher, it of course saps um, disposable income. And at the same time, we're hearing that uh, heating bills are going to be outrageous this winter. You know, kind of one two really cold winter, but also um, just heating costs in and of themselves going higher. We've seen the last couple of days, Chris, the uh, strength of the banks that you mentioned a few moments ago, some good earnings out on Friday morning, mm -hmm. JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, uh, and Citigroup. And then this morning, Bank of America came out with some good numbers. And tomorrow morning, Goldman Sachs will be delivering. So so one of the things that, that stood out to me, Chris, in, in the financials, for instance, mm -hmm. was this um, net interest margin uh, mm -hmm. here. Now, this is something that... that uh, that the, the banks have been struggling to produce over the past several years. But I think with the rise in, in, in shorter term interest rates, it's allowed them to, to raise that differential quite mm -hmm. substantially. I'll give, let me give you an example. So I've got some money over at Capital One uh, Bank and the savings account. They're paying, hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Yeah. Yes. What, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? It's 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 not much these days, but um, but so so Capital One, Chris, is paying me zero point nine on on a on this a, a regular savings account. If I want I don't want to lock it up, I want to have it you know free uh, free money, free uh, cash available. Whereas um, I could almost go to uh, get a money market account for triple that amount if I wanted to from Safe Fidelity, or else I could go to um, six month bills and get paid four to four point two. 
which is five times much of, of, of almost five times much more of what I'm paying. So clearly, these banks who are only paying such a little amount to uh, savers, they're pocketing that differential because I, I now, they're now. taking the money in, for now. They're taking that money in from the savers and paying them 0.9 or one percent and mm -hmm. investing it at, at uh, safely at uh, in treasuries at four percent. That huge margin there um, is, is there for right now for the taking for these banks, like like you said, for now. Who knows when that's going to change? So, but, so uh, let me let me ask you a question, because um, I, I think you have an Apple card, as I recall, right? I do. And, and last week, Apple said that they are going to partner with Goldman Sachs and offer a, quote, high yielding savings account tied to it. Do you think that's do you think that's kind of interesting for, yes. for people? Yeah. And I'm 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 looking into that one as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what that what that number is when they can say high yield. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's above, if it's, you know, if it's, it, listen, if it's above the, um, uh, you know, three, three and a half percent above money markets, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, I will uh, use that um, for my, my cash, which is actually getting paid in my Apple cash account. I'm getting paid 0, 0.0, which is something, <laughs> you know, you know, if, if you remember from Animal House, you know, John Blutarski, what is your GPA? 0, 0.0. So that's a, I'm earning just as much as he is. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, I actually, all, all I actually, references are terrible. I, yes, <laughs> yes. Members, you have no idea how many of these I have to withstand, nor do you know how every time I speak with Bob, which is several times a day, invariably, there's some trivia question that has to be answered before we can, we can continue. What do you always say? You don't, you don't want to compete with me on Trivial Pursuit, right? <laughs> that's because it would be a trivial pursuit yes that's right <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway but um i actually like what apple's doing um you know it will be interesting to see what what the margin is um you know the fact that you know it, what, what's interesting to me is like apple is very good at doing these things and capturing the benefits right so it'll help make uh, help spur use of apple card it'll help make iphone even stickier with people right for the people who have it um, what I wonder, though, is what does it mean for Goldman Sachs? Because their Marcus business is not exactly lighting the world on fire. Is 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 this an attempt of like the heart attack battles trying to resuscitate this business through a through arguably a far better, far bigger, far better consumer brand? I think whatever benefits Apple only benefits Apple. Um, and I think that this is where Goldman Sachs, even MasterCard to a lesser extent, because they're they mm -hmm. provide the card. Um, they thought they saw some uh, some some shiny uh, pot of gold uh, at the end of the rainbow here, but again, whatever whatever is good for Apple is only good for Apple and 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 only Apple. So uh, I'll say that twice. So uh, I think that uh, you know Goldman probably saw that there was some huge benefits to to tapping into Apple's um, ecosystem or their their audience. And it's 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 closed. It 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 really is not out there for anybody else to to tap into, if you're not going to um, to benefit Apple. So um, I I think you know for exposure um, and re name recognition, that's probably as much as Goldman Sachs and Mastercard probably got. Uh, well, Mastercard obviously gets some on the transaction transactional side. They get a little bit of benefits there, but for people who use the card. But I think for the most part, it's it's it's. Uh, the joint working with Apple, and then uh, the that's the benefits that they get in the name recognition. That's about it. So the halo effect. The halo effect, right? But okay. I, I don't think I, it's hard. It's hard to say that 
it's going to equate into much more business for Goldman. Maybe they got a little bit off of it, but that oh. I, I can't imagine it being very much at all. We'll see. We'll see. You know, the cynic in me would say, oh, maybe that gives uh, Goldman a little bit of a uh, leg up when Apple does its, you know, bond issuances or buybacks or, you know, something else that they might be doing on the corporate side. Sure. Um, so so before we get too far down, Bob, you know, um, market's been like a roller coaster. Right. Up, down, all the way around, you know, up, up big, down big, up again. And, you know, as we start off again the week, we're, we're up pretty large. I think uh, the S&P is up over 2%, well over 2%. Dow's up like one and a half, maybe a little better. And the NASDAQ, holy smokes, Bob, up 3%. But, but um, you know, as we were chatting, you know, this is not the rally to be trusted, is it? No. No, and, and you know, it, it, we all have to just go back a couple of days and remember Thursday, that humongous reversal, you know, and, and let's, let's put that one into context here. So before that CPI number was released, the S&P futures were up 44 handled, 44 points, more than 1%. And then when, when, <clears throat> when that number was released, we dropped 3% to like a minus 80, 80 or 81. So from plus 45 to down minus 81. And then we rallied off of that and closed hundred we, we were up 101 110 at one point closed up 90 so we rallied from minus 80 to I, I, these numbers are mind-boggling Chris I'm thinking, <laughs> you know we rallied from the low to the high 180 handles that's four and a half percent from from low to high and then nearly lost it all on Friday and now yeah. we're getting it well back. no we do I mean come on let's be fair the they did so we did sell off you know on that Friday the 14th but it was not anywhere close to the gain that we put in on Thursday. No, it was. It, was, it actually was everything. We 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 had gained 90 on Thursday and lost. Oh oh, oh oh the S and P the S and P the S and P right yeah okay, okay okay but but as far as the Nasdaq is concerned yes I mean you know we had closed at levels we had not seen since 2020 so we were um, we closed definitively below that 200 week moving average. And the S&P 500 finally joined in and closed below that 200 week moving average, which is kind of a, a, a very important intermediate long-term marker. Um, and I think I heard Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley talking about that this morning on CNBC, saying that, okay, well, that's enough, everyone. We're done with the selling, we're gonna go up. And um, so he, he's, he, he put the scenario out there. He, he's not bullish, don't get me wrong, but he, he came out and said, we wouldn't be surprised to see a move up to 4,100 on the S&P 500, but we but, do think that 3,000 is the level that we're we're looking at. So, okay. so it's it's funny you say that because I saw I saw other things that said uh, 3,400. I think that was BTIG. 3,200 is what some people are calling for. So it, it tells us that you know we. we I, th I think we can all agree, deciphering these comments, that volatility is going to remain. And I think that, you know, that's good for us and how we're positioned with the portfolio. It also means it's rather good for uh, our position in SIBO. Yeah. And it, it, a lot of options being uh, being traded as not just uh, for directional plays, Chris, but also for protection. People, you know, right. are, buying, are selling calls, they're buying puts and uh, the volatility um, it increases the uh, opportunity for them to sell more sell more options to uh, to to customers and so forth and, and have that vehicle out there to help protect instead of you know there's a lot of a lot of uh, um, investors out there who don't want to sell their stocks but they want to hold on to some protection just in case volatility starts to pick up again um, and 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 maybe make make some new lows or any well, 
I think, you know, I, I can only speak for what we've done in the AAP portfolio, uh, which which I think it was a smart move. It, it's something that we did once before when you and I were co-managing Trifecta, where we layered these on. We didn't necessarily peel all our positions off, but we were able to, you know, insulate the portfolio some. I, I think that it's a part of, as you like to say, the bear market playbook, but it also means that we're, we're thinking tactically uh, not just for the portfolio, but really for the members as well. It, it's it, it's just foolish to stand there and use the, as you would say, the bull market playbook in the bear market. It's just you know you're 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 gonna get hit, and um, I I think not to I, I would say this that I I think we did a lot of work during the September quarter to get the portfolio back to where it needed to be. Um, you know, we we made moves, a number of different moves. We 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 cut some things. We you know we we introduced a number of things. And I I think I think you would agree. And and please tell me if I'm wrong here. That as we move into the earnings season, we're we're probably as best positioned as we could be. I agree with that. And uh, you know, and and the fact that we we have a lot of cash and we're just sitting there waiting. We've added a lot of new positions more recently. Uh, in smaller size. And uh, so it gives us a little bit of room to fill in those positions over time uh, when we want to when we want to strategically add add to positions. But st- certainly, um, you know, the, the diversification that we have, Chris, in the portfolio with recent names that we added, like Axon Enterprises and, and, and Clear Secure, um, uh, Elevance, Lockheed Martin, Vulcan Materials, some of these new names that we've added to the portfolio, they may not necessarily um, be correlated with the moves in the S&P 500. So what does that mean? That means that um, you know the, the markets could get whacked one day and our stock could be up. Markets could go sideways and our stock could be down. So you know, that, that lack of correlation with the rest of the market means that we're, we're not going to be a victim of, uh, uh, of one of our stocks going down for the wrong reasons. And the wrong right. reason being... The rest of the market's going down. Everybody's selling, so that's going to go down with it as well. So we, we may not necessarily be uh, that might not necessarily be a consequence of, uh, of of being those positions. Okay. Is, is there anyone? I, I hate to do this, but um, if if you answer it, I'll answer it. Is is there anyone that you're glad more so than others that we added lately? Um, you know, I'd say um, I like the Clear Secure. I, I like that one. I like Damn it! Why did up. you take that one? Because <laughs> I knew that was I knew yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, on, on the same point, I do, I, I do like uh, a couple of those, you know, higher quality um, names that have some yield on them too. I like the Elevance. I like the Lockheed Martin. These are different na- names. These are high quality, strong companies that um, have good balance sheets. That on, you know, I'm, I'm obviously I'm quoting fundamentals here, but. You know, on a technical basis, they gave us a good opportunity to get on board as well, too. So they pulled back to nice support levels, and and we we added some of these names. Right. So I, I I'll have to uh, quickly um, uh, you know shuffle to the left, as it were, and come up with a different name. Um, <laughs> I, but I was prepared for you, Bob. So I'm going to go with Lockheed Martin, and here's why: he wants to add tens of billions of dollars to that number. Uh, despite the fact that the Department of Defense has shown time and again, it's not managing its finances effectively. Well, that may or may not be the case, but you know whether it's um, the continuing effort in Ukraine, which I believe the White House and uh, the Eurozone have said we are in it as long as they as long as the war goes, but also too this this rising escalation that could happen with Taiwan and China is another thing. And and, and we didn't touch on it with Apple. Um, Earlier, we were talking about the the card, but I, I do want to just jump back to them real quickly. 
But one of the cool things that's happening is uh, the 5G handset market and 5G services is now something that's happening in India that began just 17 days ago on October 1st. That's a huge opportunity for Apple, uh, a, com- a company that is also looking to diversify where it manufactures out of China and into India. I, uh, I, I think there's um, a little wink wink going on there, Bob, in terms of uh, you know, making sure that they're well-placed in that market while bringing manufacturing there as well. Apple's not usually the last person to, 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 to get into a new market um, when it comes to supplies. So, I mean, they were one of the first ones to get into China. And, uh, you know, they, they had to do a very nice job um, dip, being diplomatic and negotiating with the, with the teams. But getting back to a real quick question about what you, uh, a, a statement about the defense that you talked about mm-hmm. Lockheed Martin. Now, um, not to get too political here, but certainly, if the Republicans uh, take uh, re- regain control of the House and the Senate, or either one of them, I, I suspect that um, you know more spending on the defense area is going to be a good negotiating tool for them with uh, with Biden and uh, and the Democrats. Don't you think? If, if they're not willing to spend more money um, as it is, I think the uh, I, th- I think the Republicans who have you know historically been big spenders in defense um, are going to use that as a as a bargaining chip. Don't you? I, I think that's right, but I also think that at times when there's a lot of uncertainty on the geopolitical stage, kind of like we're seeing now, I, I don't. I usually both sides kind of come together uh, to represent a united front um, compared to exterior threats, uh, whether that would be um, you know what's going on in China and the uh, renewed effort by uh, Xi and or uh, Putin and his designs on expanding their, I mean, look, they're, they're both talking about, you know, expanding. Hey, Action Alerts Plus members, sorry about that little technical snafu that we had there. We were hoping to uh, continue our conversation, but technical liches, but we figured out, we think, and now we are back. Uh, we were just wrapping up talking about Lockheed Martin and the outlook for defense spending. I think, Bob, you were saying that depending on what happens with the midterms, the Republicans might come in. Maybe we have um, some upside in the defense budget. You know, I, I think I was saying uh, there's a lot going on anyway that we're likely to see uh, greater increases in the defense spending budget, uh, especially if, um, you know, China gets a little more aggressive with Taiwan. Uh, and I think, I can't remember if we said this or not, but I, the point I wanted to make is, you know, the White House is really trying to choke China and their chip developments. And where Taiwan Semiconductor is, it's kind of interesting when we think about that. So, so yeah, it is. And, and also, you know what, when you got China who's trying to strong arm the United States and every mm-hmm. other um, every other country out there, and you've got the United States stepping back and taking a different approach to things. And um, not trying to be a strong arm, but actually doing things and and taking action like they did with the chip companies uh, a couple of weeks ago. Of course, they they uh, all these chip companies that we that we were with, not longer with, took a took a beating on that news that they were going to uh, you know, forcing them to to not sell or or buy anything from from China. So it's a different if it's it's a different tactic. It's it's fighting a war that's with with different types of let's call it weaponry, um, you know, not necessarily, not, we're not, you know, maybe they're using certain uh, weapons and we're using different ones, different tactics and so forth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to accomplish the same goal. 
Well, I, I think the proof in the pudding, uh, what we're talking about in the, these efforts to curb China, we'll hear more about this this week. Um, even though we're not involved with applied materials anymore, it is in the bullpen and we want to keep tabs on these developments. Obviously, uh, that means we'll be paying attention to what ASML and LAM research have to say. I have... Yeah, I have to think that after Applied's guidance cut last week, that it, it's not going to be pretty. We could be wrong, but I, I just, I, in my bones, I don't think it's going to be very pretty from either one of those two companies. They're one of the, and one of the, and one of the things that, that we've noticed in the past, what has helped these companies? It's been huge buybacks of, uh, of stock, especially the Lamb Research. They, they're very big into buying back stock. And I, I don't know if that's uh, if we're gonna if that's in the cards this time around. You know, I, I think it's going to be difficult. I mean, there's a lot of these companies out there that want to hold on to that cash instead of you know buying their stock, even though it might be their best investment. You know, a lot of these companies that do do buybacks, Chris, um, they do it because they feel that their their company is undervalued and they think that over time that their stock is going to go up, and they they they'd rather do that than buy, acquiring other companies or in make capital investments or paying the cash out to their uh, shareholders. So, you know, it's 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 a it's a choice, but well, rem remember too that semicap is a cyclical industry, right? There there's times where, you know, the the chip industry in and of itself its customer base is they have a two, they have excess capacity, they are capacity constrained. So there's always this little cat and mouse game of trying to catch up and manage what's going on. I I think longer term there's a lot of reasons to think uh we'll continue to have more chips, but Given what we're hearing about the PC market slowdown in data center and other areas, I do think that there is some excess capacity out there. So again, I kind of reiterate, uh, in, you know, the near term is probably not looking very rosy for these names. Um, now, we talked about Applied's cut. There have been a number of other cuts out there to earnings expectations, Bob. You know, we've got 350 plus companies reporting this week, more than 900 next week, even more after that. So the next, you know, week or so is going to be very informative. Um, in other words, telling us, hey, this is what we're likely to hear more about uh, in the coming weeks. I, I think we can agree, though, that there, we continue to have some concerns about earnings expectations, both for the second half of 22, but also increase uh, 2023. I, you know, I, I was looking at the numbers before we started talking. And there's still folks out there calling for 7.6% earnings growth in 2023 over 2022. Now, the actual numbers have come down a little bit. I believe for 2022, the S&P 500 consensus is around 223, 240 for 2023. Um, I hope that wasn't confusing. Again, for 2022, $223 for 2023, $240, roughly 7.6% growth. But when we think of all the things that we've seen, uh, it's hard for me to get really bullish and believe that 7.6% number. I think it's coming down. What do you say? I, I agree. And, you know, especially in an environment where um, the Fed is, is going to continue to raise interest rates uh, into this economy to try and snuff out inflation. Um, higher interest rates are, um, are 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 basically like kryptonite for for companies and their earnings, right? It it increase it, it decreases their earnings power over over time, and uh, I, I think that um, the notion that uh, the Fed could actually raise interest rates above five percent, we're at three right now, um, could be four and a half by the end of the year, and and early in 2023 they're starting to price in five five and a quarter. We get another hot reading on CPI, PPI next month. 
They could be pricing it up to 6%, Chris. Nobody's even talking about that. Well, I'm glad you said that because I, as we're chatting, I'm staring at the Cleveland Fed's inflation now casting model. And they're calling for something like, uh, what is it here? The For October, 8.13% on the headline CPI, 6.58%. That's got to be enough to solidify the notion that, you know, 75 November, more than likely than not, 75 in December. Again, if those numbers ring true, and even more so for what you're talking about. And I, I just sit there and I think about the follow through on that. And, and what do I mean? Well, we've seen mortgage rates, you know, you know, uh, rebound significantly, really throwing a crimp in the housing market. But we think about the, um, the number of firms that will be taking on new loans as mortgage rates, or sorry, as interest rates go even higher. Not, not what we've seen thus far, but between now and let's say the first quarter of 2023. And we have to remember, this is kind of all part of the Fed's plan, right? To slow the economy, to cool the economy. That's right. And um, they don't seem to have uh, re- targeted their goals yet. And I think actually when you sh- when you saw the inflation numbers that came out last week in CPI and PPI, and then of course the forecast that you're talking about, 8%. But the month, uh, Chris, I want to say the month over month number is, uh, is, is, it, is it still at 0.8? Mm-hmm. So Zero, yeah, 0.8, 0.8 on the headline, 0.54 on the core. Okay, but if the headline number, if you annualize that out, that comes out to what, 9.2? Uh, oh, right. Eight, eight times 12, yeah, 9.6. 9.6. 9. 9.6%, Chris. And then last month's inflation rating was uh, less than half that So <clears throat> in September. So I, I think the, um, by and large, you know, what we've, it's been talked about for years, the Fed is behind the curve. We always heard, we always heard that. They're still behind the curve, even with the aggressive rate hikes that they've had for the past four months and they're anticipating to do for the next couple of months. They are still behind the curve. They can't seem to get uh, get their arms around uh, tackling this humongous inflation problem. And the consequences, Chris, uh, we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last time around are, are, are huge when you have a company out there that raises prices, um, even if their raw costs are coming down, even if they're in. Uh, producer prices start coming down. They're going to be very slow in bringing prices back down. I mean, we used that example last week, Chris, of the Chipotle burrito, which jumped from 11 to 14 bucks. They're going to certainly take their time, sweet time, if they ever decide to bring that price down back towards 11. And in fact, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to suggest that that's the new floor, 11 to 14. We won't see that 11 again in our lifetime. It, that's the new floor of the price. The only the only place that price is going to go, Chris, is up. So let me let me ask you this question, Bob, because um, I know you're a big fan of Chipotle. When you go there now, are the burritos the same size they were two three years ago, or are they smaller? Well, it certainly depends on who's making it, but I'd say by and large, four out of five burritos that I've gotten, uh, and I don't I don't order <laughs> five burritos at a time, Chris. Don't so you know, but. Uh, <laughs> Four to five burritos I've gotten are probably smaller um, in size than uh, than, I've, than I've had before. So they're putting fewer ingredients in the burrito, right? And charging wow. more money for that. Well, that this, this, this is another form of, you know, uh, shrinkflation, right? Where where the packaging size gets smaller. We, we've seen this up and down the grocery aisle uh, in, in the packaged goods industry, whether it's cookies, popcorn, or 
for me, unfortunately, coffee. So I, I was I was really insulted the other day, Chris, when I was at the grocery store, and I and sometimes they buy these. Uh, you you seen you ever had those Cliff bars before? Those little, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they have the regular cliff, cliff bars that they've had forever, and then they have a new size of a new, basically the same Cliff bar, but it was two and a half, two ounces less uh, for the new bar than the old bar, and they were literally side by side with each other. But same the price? new bar, the new bar was forty cents more than the old bar, and it was less uh, less ounces, um, and literally side by side on the on the on the grocery shelves. Couldn't believe it. There's got to be some like uh, pseudo you know, formulation argument for why that is, but I don't. The bar was smaller and I, I, I it, was, it was it was chocolate chip. And okay, man, the other one was half chocolate chip, half peanut butter. And then the other regular one was just chocolate chip. But still, I know you're, I know you're, you're, you're making faces at, at that flavors, right? But peanut butter. I, I mean, <laughs> peanut butter. So, but, yeah. but still, you know what? Two ounces less, 40 cents more. Yeah, that is crazy. To me, the big one, I mean, I, I was joking, only half joking about it, is coffee. Um, I'm, I'm sure members know that, you know, it, people tend to quote coffee as a pound of coffee. Um, it's been a long time since coffee at the grocery store has been a pound of coffee. Increasingly, it's 12, uh, if not, in some cases, 10 ounces that you're paying. And yet the, the dollar price is still the same. So another another example of shrinkflation. But let me, let me just... Uh, get one or two other things in before we get out of here. Um, another reason to be skeptical on that, you know, we, we talked about the impact of rising interest rates, you know, the dollar headwinds, a number of other factors uh, when it comes to 2023 earnings expectations. Yet you are seeing, you know, on the one hand, the Atlanta Fed's at 2.8% GDP growth for the current quarter, or sorry, for the September quarter. Um, but we're starting to see more people talk about a potential recession in 2023. Uh, most recently joining on the bunch was your good pal there, Mark Zandi over at Moody's Analytics saying second half of 2023. And, I, and again, I, I have to ask the question, if the odds of a recession are rising, why aren't we seeing earnings expectations for 2023 come down even more so? And, you know, is it is it just a mistake? Do you think it's a timing issue or are we just onto this sooner than other people are? Yeah, I, I think we are. And I think we've been in, we've been talking about it for a while, Chris. Remember back about three, four months ago, we, we were scratching our heads wondering, God, 11, we're looking for 11% growth in the fourth quarter of 2022. Something like that, yeah. Which where we're in right now, and we're scratching our heads, wondering how they're going to get there. How are they going to get there with 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 a Fed that's been aggressive? It's starting to talk the talk and walk the walk with the higher interest rates. How are they how how are these companies going to get there? And the bar um, is raised even higher with higher interest rates for these companies to get to their earnings. And you know, I think uh, the the painful reality is that um, these analysts have had to cut their numbers. I saw more of it happening today. We've seen been seeing it for the last couple of weeks. And into 2023, I think far too rosy optimistically uh, thinking that the these companies are gonna are gonna get to those earnings and the earnings growth is gonna is going to be there. I think 7.6%, what you said for uh, for next year is is quite a bit too optimistic for me, um, especially what, if interest rates going up as high as they are. What's what's that word of mine you like to use every once in a while? Oh that uh, Hopium. 
Hopi, cha-ching, thank you for the royalty. Um, yes, yes, hopium. Um, I, I do think there's a fair amount of hopium there. And I and you and I were talking about this um, before we started taping today, that you, there is still, you think, some people out there with a little bit of hopium thinking the Fed is going to pivot. Um, I, for one, agree with you that I don't see that. Um, I think um, also, too, you were talking about some, uh, I can only, you know, no, no, no disrespect intended, but some wackadoo who was jumping up and down, having a hissy fit over what the Fed should be doing, not what it not not what it is doing. And and the reality is that um, you know we will continue to manage the portfolio in a prudent manner, listening to the data, seeing it unfold, and trying to weigh the potential probabilities of what lies ahead to do the prudent and proper thing for members. We're not going to jump up and down, stamp our feet uh, and try and, you know, make noise. Rather, we're, we're going to focus on the task at hand. That's right. It's uh, it's uh, watch watch what we do and don't listen to what we're saying all the time when it's when it's when it's uh, when it's about commentary or not us or just uh, the people in the media, what they're doing about. Uh, what I was going to say, I, I think we do want the members to watch what we do and listen to what we say. Well, I mean, listen to I, I, us, meaning a general, uh, general right, term. Right, right. Our, our job is not to drive advertising revenue by making outrageous, salacious comments uh, to get some wacky headlines. So, no, that's not what we do. We're 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 here to um, you know run the portfolio, do the right thing for members, and educate and and give them proper insight along the way. So, um, with that, Bob, is there any any insight that you would like to uh, say before we get out of here? No, it's it's been a uh, uh, it's been a strong day today, and uh, we'll see if there's some follow through tomorrow into next week on the on the markets. Uh, you know, tipping around 3,700. Um, you know, we did hear some people coming out, um, some who have been normally bearish, but coming out with some bullish uh, uh, forecasts, at least for the short term here. Um, there is some bullish seasonality, Chris, coming up towards the end of October. If you look back over the past 35 years, that last week in October. Technically, has been a real strong uh, bullish week, and uh, leading into the uh, the the first part of November, and then of course we have the elections coming up. So uh, that's something something to, to to be on the lookout for. I'm, I wouldn't necessarily be overly overly bullish here, but if there's that that part of the uh, part of the month there that that is is real bullish, don't be surprised. All right, Bob, I have a pseudo trivia question for you. Uh, more of a trivia reference. Maybe some members won't know what I'm talking about. That's why you're going to have to answer it. Uh, later this week, we have October 19th. Anything that people should be thinking about regarding October 19th? Well, you 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 jar some memories here. That would be the uh, anniversary, the 35th anniversary of the crash in 1987. Is that right? That is correct. 35th anniversary, 1987. Um, no, I don't think there's really anything much. I think it's more of uh, a novelty. A lot of the media is going to be talking about that as a, uh, as a you know, jarring memories and reminiscing about uh, about what people were doing. I think there's a lot of people out there who, you know, are going to get out their Quotron, Quotron machines <laughs> and uh, say, yeah, I was using this back in the day, you know, and, and people are going to say, well, what is that thing? It's just like, you know, it's like people are going to say it's similar to what, you know, what is people pull out their Atari machines at home hey yeah, oh, yeah. No, don't make don't make fun of that <laughs> um but uh no i don't think there's really anything to to write to to talk about there i think that problem was corrected back in uh in 1987 88 we don't have really have that that you know, there's a lot of uh, 
a lot, a lot of speculation that markets are going to crash because of the similar type of things happening right now. I, I don't I don't see that happening yet. But uh, listen, you know, people head out the exit door like they did back in 1987. Um, it's usually too small for everybody to to hit the exit at once, and there's panic that ensues. So well, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, but again, but so it, it sounds like you're thinking it's probably just another day for the markets. Nothing to read too much into. Yeah, and a lot of uh, again, a lot of uh, a lot of stories, a lot of reminiscing, and a lot of things uh, people are going to be uh, paying attention to. But uh, uh, it, as far as it uh, for the markets, probably very uh, irrelevant. Okay. All right. Well, members, if you've got any trivia questions that you want to ask Bob or myself uh, or questions about the portfolio or any other topics you want us to address here on the podcast, uh, please use aapclubatthestreet.com. We do appreciate your your thoughts, your comments. And uh, remember, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day, everyone. All right. Have a great week, everyone.